Welcome, everyone, to the Between You and I podcast with myself and my sidekick, Ryan Lynn. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Um, I believe this is number 11. I think if it sounds I'm good. Off, yeah. uh, ha, ha. Um, on this episode, I love saying episode, we got a chance to talk with Ken Stringfellow from the Posies. Um, and he also is uh, a solo artist, and he's collaborated with R.E.M. and Big Star. He's a producer. He's so prolific that we could literally just list everything he's done, and it would take an hour. It would take an hour. and we'd be <laughs> Or done. more, yeah. You might, you might get really bored with my robot voice uh, <laughs> going down a list. But uh, it was a great conversation. Once again, the conversation brought up topics that I'd been dying to hear, Um just ideas and ways of working as an artist. So if you enjoy this conversation, we are loving having reviews or if you'd like to subscribe for upcoming uh, sessions that we're doing and we have some booked with really cool people, please subscribe. Uh, we're on iTunes. Ryan, where else are we? How would you find our little podcast? We are on, I, we should be on all of the uh, podcast apps that use the iTunes library. So like all the good podcast players, you should find us on there. If we're not on there, let us know and we'll make sure to get us on there. Yes. Uh, yeah. And if those particular services have uh, places to give feedback, like please give feedback, please rate us. Like that always helps. We would love that. And we will go check out any comments or if you guys have questions, uh, we will do our best. Please leave an email so we can follow up with you um, and we will answer any questions. So I'm really excited for this year, 2019. We're lining up more people determined to have four fun conversations and hijinks with Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> and we're already doing it. We already have, uh, you know, more than once a year. So it's, we're doing, we've got a good we're pace winning. going. Yeah. <laughs> already. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hope you enjoy it. delicious how are you i am just fine uh you know having a great time on our tour our, it, it's it's been going really well as considering it's a little add-on to all the stuff we did last year and that it you know, we went in with with modest expectations and we've managed to exceed those and it's it's a lot of fun just the two of us it's a very easy show to do and to- <laughs> And every number divided by two is so much more interesting than numbers divided by four. <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, is that. There's only one thing better, and that's divided by one. That's right. Oh, that's my deck. Thank you. No, I do love that. Um, so we'll just get started. We're just recording, and literally, our, uh, we just do a conversation. Oh, great. So, um, so I was really excited to talk to you, and... And I don't have anything scripted. I mean, I have things that I'm curious about, but I haven't, like, I don't pre-think things out. Oh, um, because I'm certainly not prepared at all. That's, so that's totally perfect. okay. That's all you need. All you need is you. Um, no, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, or one of the things I admire about you, is I was listening through your guys' catalog and, um, and listening to the songs that I'm going to sing on with you guys February 1st. Um, and... I was just thinking how prolific you are. And uh, and I am not so prolific all the time. I tend to write with events or, I mean, that's just how I've been. It's very cyclical. Um, 
but you're always doing something. And I really admire that. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Like, as, as long as I've known about you, and, the, and, and I think I knew the Posies 80, in 89, right? Because I, I wasn't really doing bands until 89. Right. Um, but you have been doing music constantly the whole time. I'm sh- and sure maybe you have your whole life. So, I mean, have you always wanted to do music? And is it, what is it for you? Like, um, some people are like, I need to, I have to. If I don't, if I don't play or write, I feel off. Uh, well, th- those are kind of two subjects, actually, it seems. Um, but I'll go backwards. I'll go from the recent into into we'll work our way back to the other thing. Um, I th- feel like um, if I don't keep things flowing, um, that that you know, I like to. I think momentum is a great way to to keep your art strong and I think that it that rumination can be your biggest enemy um, you know if you if you you can really overthink things if you take if you suddenly have a lot of time and you, and you just don't put it out there um, now I am much less prolific than you might think uh, or <laughs> that it appears I have a lot of activity um, but a lot of that activity is is playing live which is a whole different thing or working on other people's albums um, but that's also good. Um, I think that as a producer or session player, uh, mixer, whatever, um, stuff comes in and it has to go out. I mean, it just simply yeah. has to be, it has to be, I mean, people don't have, I couldn't, it wouldn't be sustainable if like, oh, okay, I'm, I'll, you know, mix your song for X amount of dollars and I'll spend one month mixing your song. I mean, like, it's not really, <laughs> there's, I would run out of things to do first of all, but there's always more, but but I just like the idea of things coming to completion and 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 being done in a sense, you know, being that it, it just you have an idea. Music should be made. Uh, music can be ambitious, of course. You can write, you know, a thirty-six uh, album cycle about uh, I don't know cucumbers or whatever, and go into every detail of the cucumber, and you can do something really elaborate, but really in the end, like music, uh, one of music's strengths is that it, it breaks itself. It's, it's kind of literature, but it breaks itself into bite-sized pieces. Um, and, and those bite-sized pieces are wonderful because they're, they're, they're really intricate, like a circuit board and you can really go into this complete world for like three minutes of your time. Um, so it, I feel that the bar is such that you you really don't need to spend like a month making that three minutes of your time um, of someone else's time. I think that I think uh, best the best ideas come quickly and, and I'm not a, a big fan of editing either and that's like a real taboo among writers. Writers are supposed to do due diligence and edit and and, and <clears throat> push it back through the sieve and push it back through the sieve and get rid of the chaff and and but I think that that working quickly uh, and and having spontaneity sometimes can bypass that. Sometimes I do go back to a song and think, "Oh God, you know, that was a little hasty. I could have come up with a better line for that." Um, but in the end, I don't think that any of those things are really. That's just like um, I don't know, kind of idle thinking, really. But uh, I, love I work. That, 
Yeah, I yeah. work a lot. That's that's the thing. I'm you know I'm really uh, when I'm in the studio uh, at home or well I have two studios. I have one in Seattle and one in in Tours in France where I live, and wherever I am, I'm working. Uh, you know, seven days a week, if possible, if there's that much work, which there usually yeah. is, and that's it's just um, it's become second nature. I think that's really great. When when people send me stuff to play on, um, I don't even do a run through. Actually, typically, I just roll, and within two bars, I pretty much have it and and just play along, and pretty much don't go back actually you know yeah. like there's a, there used to be a whole crew of people like that uh in in that's how musicians professional musicians used to be back in the day uh you know the wrecking crew and all that kind of stuff they it's not like they really did run throughs they just i mean they were kind of ready from word go i've worked with one of those people uh um larry nectal who played on one of my albums he's passed away now sadly but uh you know, he. I gave him a chord chart. I had he had heard a demo, um, mm -hmm. and he was playing like a big piano intro uh, w w before the band kicks in, and and then carrying on with the piano once the band kicks in on a tune of mine. And there was no. It was take one. Was perfectly fine. It was yeah. and and crazy elaborate with lots yeah. of licks and stuff like that. And I'm not as good as Larry Nectal, but. Um, I think, of course, and this is the grumpy old man kind of thing to say, but people aren't really under that kind of pressure these days with all the things you can do to stop and start and fix and repair and, and copy and paste and whatnot. Um, but I think there's definitely something different about a fundamental performance that that is, you know, if you start with a very high-level performance, then editing things just takes it higher. But if you start with a crummy performance, then you're editing just to make it <laughs> acceptable right <laughs> that, which is kind of the bar that most people shoot for yeah i love all of this i'm so, this is so validating to me like i'm so happy to hear you say this because i tend I, I tend to work the same way like i'll write i write very intuitively i don't read music i don't i can't tell you what the key my song is in i don't really care but i'll write very intuitively i don't edit um i like to spew because i i'm fascinated with the mystery of what's inside and what's coming out and I like the intuitive idea um and so I and I also like to throw things together like I'll take people that I know are talented throw it together and go okay and I want this here go do something with this because I'm just curious to see what happens and I don't care um because I know it's not going to be terrible if it was terrible I'd be like well, all right that's terrible um that's what happened there but um, I like gathering people and saying, okay, just play on this. The last yeah. record I did uh, was with Steve Fisk, and um, I think I was there for some of it. Like, I, I, I worked with Pickerel, played drums because he swings, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I was like, great. But I wasn't there for when Johnny Sangster came in. I was like, just have him come in. He's great. I'm not really worried about it. I wasn't even there when he, wow. like, <laughs> played stuff. Because I, I, at the time, that's what I needed. I probably needed it emotionally. But I love... Uh, one, I love talented people. I like expediency. I don't want to think about it too long. Overthinking it um, kills it for me, and I get irritated. Um, <laughs> I love the mystery, and I'm also really good at ideas, and I'm I'm happy with the idea of, like, that's what happened then, and I'm marking mm -hmm. that. That's good enough. Like, you're right. I could do this a ton of different ways. I could go for perfection, but often I'm losing emotion, intimacy, 
my truth. Mm-hmm. And I mean that honestly, not um, pretentiously. I, I get you. I hear you. Yeah. I, I think there's one other issue um, in that uh, certain people that I've worked with uh, who shall remain nameless, um, <laughs> who take a long time to do things, um, I think it says a lot about their basic trust in themselves and their trust in the universe. I think that um, doing the kind of things you're talking about, being very spontaneous or or throwing people together and not micromanaging the results just says a lot about your basic trust in whatever humanity or, or the world around you. And I think those are strong qualities to have. And I, and I really think that, um, you know, some people, they'll never be happy. I mean, it it really is a thing. I mean, and it, and they will hide, they can hide behind the fact like, Oh, I'm just a perfectionist. And I can also say, no, you're you're afraid. You are afraid right. that when that music gets out there, that it that the curtain will be revealed and you won't be seen as a genius or whatever or something like this. Uh, right. And that's, I mean, that's how some people have grown up. But I think that it doesn't really. I'm not like shooting to be a, a genius. I'm just shooting to see my ideas come right. to completion. That's it. I don't really care yeah. what people think about it. I love that. I, I, I am almost more interested. Uh, no, I am equally as interested in the experience and mm-hmm. the connection and the good feeling I have in the making of things as I am the music. Like sometimes even more so because people will be like, oh, uh, pre-prepare or you're right. They'll think it needs to be good or whatever. I'm like, no, it needs for me. It needs to be enjoyable like I also I know who's talented so mm-hmm. I don't worry about that like I go oh I I'll pick specifically people who I'm like I know you do this well and this and this well let's see what y'all do together like you kind of can't go wrong um and it leaves room for um what you don't know to happen and that's what I love and I'm like you I just want to express myself and get it out there uh, wh- whatever that may be, I want to be someone expressing themselves, mm-hmm. and I and I'm actually cur- recently I feel like I'm in a musical rehabilitation for myself. Like, mm. and and it feels really good to be back actively working to reconnect with who who I reconnect myself to saying this is who you are. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that you do. Um, love it again. Don't you know, take the burdens off of it or the baggage or what have you and just be proud and go find more adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, you touched upon a point uh, that is definitely relevant to my way of thinking as well. Um, it's funny, to preface that before I tell you which point, <laughs> um, I, uh, when I'm working with people in the studio at, uh, who and they're getting... I don't know. They're afraid and they're nervous. They're like they, they get nervous, so they start overjudging things and being really critical and blah blah blah. Of course, my my advice to them is don't confuse the experience with the result. Um, but having said that, um, I have found that just for me personally, uh, setting up a condition that I that it, that's a, where the the situation is a really good one with people I like and I you know that that the minimal amount of suffering for me. Um, <laughs> is actually produces the best result because uh, suffering I would equate with uh, 
typically dealing with other people's baggage. I mean, I'm, I've, I, another thing about being, about doing a lot of records is that you, you can't get too hung up on any particular one and you just, you know, you give it, you do your best and yeah. trust that it's going to be good and then keep on going. Um, and some people, uh, they get stuck and they don't, they don't want to move forward. So mm-hmm. I, I try and weed those people out yeah. and go with people who are, who are quick studies and quick, um, uh, you know, quick on their feet and good spontaneous players. I tried for my last solo album, which now it's been a few years since I made one, but the the band that I assembled were all people I'd worked with on numerous productions, and they're all kind of wrecking crew of them, of their own. In um, they're all players from Holland, cool. and yeah, yeah. many, many, many things were were take one or take two, and 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 every song. What's interesting, actually, there's an interesting story about this that. Opens a bracket, but <laughs> I worked with a, a dear friend of mine named J.B. Myers, who himself he's one of the major producers from Holland. Any any band from Germany, Holland, Belgium that's of any merit or success, he has certainly worked with. Um, and he and I did our solo albums together because we went to a really nice studio that we liked working at, but it's kind of expensive. So we just we assembled the players and we did we cut two albums together at the same wow. time so uh, his and mine and we did it song by song like we record one of mine and one of his and one of mine we did like 25 songs wow, in cool. six days or something like this um and so same players except i played bass on his stuff and he played bass on mine that's the only major difference when we'd switch songs never more than i mean we'd listen to a demo and then just play and take one or two always and you'd think that with I mean that with the speed that we were going and having the same players, uh, that this wouldn't have happened. But every song and the two albums sound completely different. Um, wow. These players are so good that they could yeah. chameleon into something else uh, instantly and and do that in service of the song. It, it, it's pretty. You've and my song has like my album has like fifteen songs on it, and JB's had you know, whatever, 14, and then we cut more than that even, so whatever. But uh, check it out. I mean, um, my album's yeah. called Dancing in the Moonlight, and, and you'll see there's a, an incredible amount of diversity on that one album, and imagine that there's a whole other album of equal length with as much diversity, and it sounds totally different, and it was all cut, same players, same studio, same space, in just a handful of days. Isn't that amazing? Like, isn't that pleasurable? That must yeah. have been like, just to be around people that good is just a fucking pleasure. <laughs> yeah. What was the other album called? Uh, what, what was JB's album called? Uh, let me just let me just quickly uh, solo album. What was it called? Edit this this part out. <laughs> Don't worry. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, Not my dear folks. No. <laughs> Oh, where's his discography? Maybe in Holland. Maybe in his Dutch. There was discography. The Secret Year. Secret yeah. Year. Right. Okay. The Secret Year. Okay. Yeah, have to check out both. They both sound good. That's one thing I write. So I'm recording um, a fourth solo CD, and that's the one of the big things I miss is being in the studio and be, and uh, being with musicians. Um, it's such a pleasure. And so I'm really stopping and taking note of that. Um, and again, giving people free reign to say, well, 
here's a song, do your thing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's only one time I've said a hard no when someone was trying to use like a wah wah pedal on a blues thing. And I was like, no, no, oh, <laughs> like <yeah>. no, <laughs> nope, stop it. You're gonna want to do that, but you can't. I'm not letting you. <laughs> like, <laughs> they bring their wah wah pedal to every session in the hopes that oh. one day someone will acquiesce to their <laughs> wah wah addiction. Yes, I had. Well, I mean, like I have a rule, just and I think I only have it here. Uh, in this area when I was like there's going to be no pedal steel there's going to be no um, I am just not the alt country gal I'm like I know you're going to want to reach for some sort of I don't know the alt country thing and no well that's going to be a hard no (laughs) Um, because I feel like there's a trend going on and it's just one that I'm I'm not interested in it so I see Yes. Well, that's, that's not that I don't have respect yeah. for that. Yeah, I, it just is a because what I think it is is people falling into a thing where like, oh, I'm like, God, oh, I know what it is. Uh, well, and we actually put that as a Hammond B3, and I was like, those are beautiful. They're amazing. People do amazing things with them, and there actually ended up being one on the record. But I was just like, they remind me of so much. Uh, people have used them so much that I'm just like, enough already. Like that, it just falls into that thing. I'm like, oh, for God's right. Sake. I mean, it's, there there are choices that people make. Uh, that's like a, a nice choice, but it, but that doesn't mean. Uh, I mean that, you, that we have an obligation. Let's put it this way: some artists are there to to meet the demand. You know, there's ample demand, and so they they mutate to meet it. And some artists are there to create the demand. You know, demand yeah. for something that didn't exist before. Uh, there's the Steve Jobs quote uh, where he said, oh, well, our customers don't know what they want until I show it to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of thing. You know, like artists are there to, in, in my mind, are there to invent something to surprise us. Uh, and, but some some artists, you know, uh, they, they feel the, they're happy with, with satisfying an existing kind of cultural pull that's out there. Um, and keeping certain things alive that are that are traditional and old is nice too. I mean, that's that could be somebody's mission in life, you know, to to you know go back to the sound of blues on seventy eight RPM sure. records or whatever. That and yeah. that, that that so that shall not disappear from the earth. Uh, yeah. But that's not really my my task. Yeah. Um, and I don't even do you know I don't do anything right. I don't do like experimental right enough to get the you know i don't follow the rules of experimental music and i don't follow the rules of of non-commercial music i i i i don't get any of it right um which is hallelujah but but hallelujah this is exactly why i think my body of work is worth checking out because it 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 really is eccentric in and it's also i mean you know i'm it's not incompetently eccentric if i might say no. i put a lot oh, of craft yeah. to it but it's still yeah. not um it's never going to fit in easily with with anybody's criteria for what is uh any genre whatsoever right well i, I mean but you can't i feel like when i listen to your stuff i, I could i would never say like this isn't well crafted because it's beautiful and um and ta- and tasty sounds i've been listening to uh, the songs, obviously, that I'm going to sing with you guys and License to Hide is completely stuck in my head. 
And but 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 there and there's things about it that I hear like I I love your voice um, on um, different parts of it and and not just the harmonies but I like the um, the rhythm because I write rhythmically a lot the rhythm mm-hmm. of the lines too mm-hmm. um, and I think that too I actually was driving and listening and I was like this stuff is great like this stuff is great like what is it with um, uh, and this is a re- and I said this is a relevant kind of conversation, but I thought like goodness, right? That I was in, it was never in Seattle like in the hipster circle. Mm-hmm. If it was the sub pop circle, we were super uncool, right? Or even in ma- major label circles, people responded to it, but wasn't quite like single material. And I was like, I feel like there's a world of super interesting music, some of which gets seen and someone doesn't that resides there, like even the Pixies or um oddball sonic youth and maybe they get carried on the wind of like scenes and that's how they get the light shine on them but there's so much amazing music out there that isn't going to be radio what's mm-hmm. amazing you know and that, that's fine um but when i was li- it was just when i listen to stuff i'm like this is incredible like this is really great too and when i think about like I feel like my stuff falls in that. That's when I start kind of trying to create just my own world because I can't worry about the rest of the world. Like I, I don't sure. want to, I don't want to stress myself out with that story in general. Who gives it? It doesn't matter. Um, so instead, I'll turn my gaze to like, well, what do you want to go do? You know, I'll just go get that. Every you know, like. <laughs> yeah, do either of you guys pay attention to the social media side of like you just look at the positive stuff to say like, oh, what I'm doing is good oh, or. I, there's all the in, in, in which sense? Well, just to avoid all the negative feedback that seems to happen. Oh, you mean like there. people like people who don't like what you do or whatever? Yeah. I, I don't really think that happens on social media too often. I, I think that either I, to be honest, I think when people actually take the time to listen to what I do, I think most people find something to like it. It's My body of work is so diverse that there's something there for somebody. Um, so it's either ignored or praised pretty much, which is lucky. Now on the critical side... Um, I think for both the posies and my solo work, there's kind of an interesting phenomenon um, in that, once again, we can't have, we can't win either way. We, we are a little too eccentric to be overtly commercial. Um, we had a lot of commercial potential in the early days, and we might have even got close to it at a certain point, um, but we were never that interested in, in fine-tuning it into in a commercial direction further than a certain point uh then i mean not that we were anti-commercial but only that we were just interested in what we're interested in at the same time we got really really good reviews so we we took on because of not overwhelming amounts of success and really really good reviews we started to be viewed as what you could call a critic's darling and so that came up in 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 press about us many times and so in the modern age i found this curious phenomenon where like every reviewer has decided spontaneously to buck that trend like oh they're supposed to be a critic's darling so i'm gonna um yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna pop that balloon um and so consequently like i'm amazed always at the at the amount of kind of ne- criticism we get in reviews that i think every other artist that i can think of gets a pass for the same for for, for doing the same things like at one point like a, we, we had a um we had like a four bar guitar solo in one of our tunes. Now, last time I checked 
in, in the rule book of music is there's one rule and there are no rules. Mm-hmm. That's rule number one. But we put in a four-bar guitar solo, and this reviewer, like, you know, he got hung up on this, you know, and, and he said, well, then this this purely pointless guitar solo and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, it served a point. We did go from, it gave you a breather from yeah. from the lyrics for a second and it and just put in a little musical interlude. And I was doing a, a, a show a couple years ago. We did this thing with um, Jason Lytle, blah, 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 and an orchestra doing Elliot Smith's music. And there's this, I forget which song it was now, but along comes in this Elliot Smith song a four-bar guitar solo. <laughs> and I don't think Elliot Smith ever got criticized for having a yeah. four-bar guitar solo. So people like, you know, w- w- I think there's a weird thing that that we are, again, because of our musical competence and we don't cover that up, um, I think that is frowned upon. Um, you're supposed to you're supposed to cover your own light to some degree, Ugh. and otherwise you're going to be yeah. like a, a dude that's like in Guitar Center playing you know Guns N' Roses solos. You, you're like showy in a in a tacky way. But I, I don't think there's anything really showy about our musicianship. I think good musicians should play good music and play it well. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. my my thought on the matter. Um, and I don't think that I think it's odd that we get criticized for doing a good job sometimes. I yeah. think a lot of critics are trying real hard to sound however they think their peers or whatever trend is happening. Oh, look, I'm cool. I feel like that happened a lot at The Stranger and maybe still continues to like, oh, our personality here is to dog things mostly and that's cool. Um, except or, children's movies. Have you ever noticed that, that The Stranger will give a good review to every single children's movie? Every <laughs> single true. one. Yeah, go check it out. I mean, they like no matter. I mean, like a a Pixar film or whatever, they will they will give it a good review. I don't know what the deal is. So I, I think that in some ways, the stranger reviewers are are you know are they're young and they kind of haven't really let go of their childhood yet. So seeing a children's movie makes them kind of. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they left the nest. Um, but but it's weird. I mean, considering how. Um, uh, generally elitist they are i mean they they're 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 film they they put they hold films to a high standard and that's good i've learned i've discovered a lot of great films uh reading reviews in the stranger uh but for some reason children's movies get a pass and children's movies are the most commercial thing of all and yeah. here's where i come to another point about critics um <laughs> i i have always felt um that traditionally the, the the critics' best service for the public is to warn us of a hoax, um, and that would be like something that's presented as authentic that's inauthentic. Uh, you know, maybe um, I'm not going to name any names, but perhaps you know, there's something that's being peddled as like an indie artist and it's really like, you know, it's got fucking, uh, sorry, am I not supposed to swear? I can't remember you these swear things. Swear your head off. Yeah, I don't care. Swear your head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's got like Max Martin behind the tunes or something like this, you know, and 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 a critic's job would be to say like, hey, this is like actually major label. Uh, this is like, you know, they want to put this person in, in guest jeans ads or gap ads as soon as possible and it's just a pretty face being marketed as credible. I, I think they're supposed to detect that and tell you about it. Yeah. Um, so I have found something disturbing in that the whole, like, um, 
the line between advertiser product and sponsory is very blurred. You know, we have what are called influencers now. And uh, now that's like a good thing. It's like a good thing if you build up your Instagram and you can get enough followers that you'll start doing subtle product placements, etc. And I feel like music and criticism has kind of followed suit. I mean, Pitchfork, for example, who are supposed to be the preeminent uh, American voice of of intellectual music uh, criticism, uh, you know, they spend a lot of time talking about Rihanna and and uh, whatever the top, you know, Nicki Minaj or whatever. And I, I'm not uh, isolating just R and B artists by any means. Uh, I'm just saying that whoever they're talking about, the Lumineers, whomever, uh, you know, are multi-million selling artists, and I don't really see the point. You know, mm -hmm. of, yeah, of, yeah. Of, those people have such a machine. Like, I don't really see why Pitchfork needs to talk about this when they could be talking about artists who, according to their kind of founding principles, they are an underground, a voice of the underground to some degree. Um, yeah. And they miss a lot of things. And then also, but they, what, what they're subject to the same rules. They need advertisers, and advertisers want 20-somethings, and they want as many of them as possible. So, for example, Pitchfork hasn't reviewed a record of mine in over a decade now, um, and and I find that kind of sad. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think sometimes um, I feel like we shouldn't be criticized so much because the one fault I always thought artists could have would be to again, be insincere or, or, or skimp on quality because they don't have the talent and they don't care. Um, and I don't th I think that we put a lot of effort into what we do. And I think that effort is really all that matters. I mean, stylistic things here and there. Okay. If you are more into uh, minimalist, uh, whatever music like low, for example, that maybe we were too much this I could understand, but pass it on to someone who is not a minimalist, yeah. etc. Uh, I, I really, I think that it's, I know this sounds kind of weird, but I don't think we should ever get a bad review. I, I know that yeah. sounds pretentious, but I don't really see what we're doing wrong um, in terms of quality. We always are trying to push our own envelope. You know, we, we, we don't, we're not resting on our laurels and we're not, you know, we're not, and I don't want to put anybody down, but you know, we are a band at our age that could in theory have turned ourselves more in the direction of being the kind of legacy band that is more into playing casinos and whatnot and mm -hmm. forgetting about the present and the future, but just working on the past. There's right. nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do, but I could, yeah. but as, as a music critic, then I would probably point that out at least and say that, hey, this is, if you're looking for someone doing something on moving forward, this is not that. We're always moving forward and we're constantly throwing ourselves into situations that are not comfy um, and are not, even even for our audience, you know, we, we're not putting, we, we do play a few grown-up venues, but generally, you know, we play a lot of underground venues and, and yeah. And I don't know. I, I really feel like people should give us a break at some point. I think we've paid yeah. 
for our sins of being successful at an early age. And I think that was a very long time ago. And I don't think that that should be a thing that we suffer for at this point. It's long gone. Oh, for sure. I think the cool thing is that you guys are doing what you want to do. Like I psychologically had to just, I mean, for me, psychologically, I just don't think about any of those things. I'm not as active touring as you guys, but I, I make a point just, I don't think about it. I think, the only customer who needs to be served here is me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's my and that is my end point. And mm-hmm. the only thing that needs to be served is what do I want to do? And if it's fun for me and I'm having fun and getting to have adventures, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Because if I tried to if I started to wonder even about what if anyone would ever be interested in what I do or what they'd say about it, I, I would die on the vine. Like I just know me. Mm-hmm. I can't. I cannot do that because um, yeah. one, I'm not in control. That I don't think I really give a shit, and I just don't think it. I mean, I think it's. Um, it doesn't matter. Like it only matters if I like it, and if someone, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> you go. I don't suck. You know, it's like to me, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm happy with what I do, and that's all that matters. Um, and I and I in a very grounded way, I'm really interested in figuring out like getting doing new things and seeing what I can do. I mean, that's a big reason I went to do solo stuff is like, I'd like to see what my finished sentence looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know what's in me. Like what, what, if I'm put here on the earth to do some art, I'd like to know what it is, what's in me. What do I have? What do I want to do? And that's, that's all I care about. The fears I fight with are like wanting something too much, you know? And so I just do another process of like, well, um, I do a lot of them. Just imagine it. Like I'm a very probably trust the universe kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll just daydream. At least actively start daydreaming. Like, mm-hmm. just the act of doing that has been something I need to relearn. Like, oh, I want, um, uh, like, I want to tour Europe. Right? Do I know mm-hmm. how? I don't know. Like, I don't need to worry about that right now. I need to think about it. I need to want. Mm-hmm. I want to think it up at all. Um, like you living in tour, it's like. Um, mm-hmm. Very nice pronunciation. Thank you. I spent a year in France as a nanny a long time ago. Oh, no um, In Nantes, yeah. Oh, um, so my mind just went, oh, I want to go to Europe and I'm going to record with Ken. That's how I'm getting to Europe. I'll pay mm-hmm. for it. I'll figure it out. But I would be in Europe. Mm-hmm. I'd be making music. It would be fun to go do a bunch of other stuff. And that's all I need to think about. How or if it would ever happen, I do not care. Like, I, I can't. Because that's where I start to spiral into like, well, how am I going to make that happen? And, well, you know, just can't even have time or, you know, uh, and it's like, no, that's nope. Like, no, if it, I'm good, I'll be good either mm-hmm. way. Does that make sense? I'm sure I sound crazy, but. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I think that uh, I think visualization the, and with the idea that the end product is manifestation is pretty much how. I have come to consciously work. I used to work. I had all these amazing things happen from an unconscious point of view that things kind of uh, exploded all around me when I was younger. And I and I thought, well, I'm a very lucky person. Why? Uh, yes. And then I, 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 I don't really have a why other than maybe it was a, a tiny window presented to me to show me what's possible in that I could share this idea with other people that that – the world is the world is fluid 
um, and, and the world is what looks like nice, tight, crunchy, solid objects around us, like this Sharpie, uh, of course, are just, it's just gathered light, basically. I mean, yeah. really, what it, it's not as solid uh, as it appears. We, we, it's really a notion that this is solid because we have evolved to work with things in this sense. But from a scientific point of view, there's more empty space than not. Yeah. Uh, in this object that appears to be solid, um, my language. <laughs> so, they, so with so everything is kind of up for grabs, and and it's not scientific, of course. I can't prove to you that manifestation works, but uh, there are certainly plenty of there's a rich uh, history of visualization mm -hmm. and having things come from that. Uh, it, anecdotally and liter uh, from in literature, etc. And I can tell you it just it absolutely works and it's simply a matter of um, if you take it seriously or not. If you go like, well, I'll see if this thing works. I don't really think so. <laughs> I want this pen to turn orange right now and of course it's not going to work. Um, you know, there's there scientists would be tearing their hair out right now at me saying this, but you could argue that we are in some kind of you know, matrix-like environment um, that is absolutely generated by our own perception and that, for example, gravity is just a belief system that that's so ingrained that we can't yeah. really go against it uh, without great effort. But perhaps, um, yes. you know, it, it could, it, it that belief could be overcome. I mean, it's not high in my list of priorities at the moment, but uh, I'm saying that there are other more subtle ways that maybe the universe could bend to you a little bit and it's okay if it bends to you it's not like yeah. you're becoming um some kind of like psychic tyrant or something like this right. you can start right. choosing what you want to go for because we all have to choose a path at some point i mean yeah. other i mean or I, even if that path is i choose to stay in bed for the rest of my life that okay that's a path um <laughs> but we 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 have to choose something and if you can consciously choose something that you believe in rather than just, um, how do we say, uh, resignedly accept a path that's sort of handed to you and you just decide, oh, okay, I'll just go along yeah. with it. Um, I mean, th there are alternatives to that bleak kind of prospect. Well, I, t I mean, I really actively thought like, I really believe everyone's birthright is joy. I think we've all been brain trained often in the opposite direction with a lot of I should, I have to, and, you know, in order to have something, I have to work hard or, you know, like exhaust myself. There's a whole bunch of just bad yeah. stories and perspectives we all that we live by. But I, I really believe like your compass is joy. And so what fought like following your heart. And there's been times when, uh, so similar to you, like younger during the music's time, like things, I was functioning so automatically in the dream it and it happens like unconsciously um, and kind of have my whole life. Um, but it's not till later years. And I don't know if that's because you get more burdens or experiences or whatever that you get, kind of have to refresh your mind on that concept. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and it's been exciting to do so but I also think there's a great Marianne Williamson quote the one um Nelson Mandela quoted it but the part that I like is that it's um it's it's like 
I'm probably quoting it wrong, but it's like it's like almost like a crime against God to like lower yourself in order to make someone else feel better or to diminish yourself or your light. Um, well, anyway, it doesn't it doesn't work? Right. So it, exactly. It's not it's not like you're um, that effort is actually lowering yourself to someone else's depression. Now, this is a mm -hmm. thing um, that I've fought really hard against. I, you know, thank my lucky stars don't suffer from depression and I've had to work sometimes with individuals that do and I, I don't say this to put them down yeah. um, they're grappling with something that without outside help is beyond their control and a lot of times they can't see it and I totally understand that um, that doesn't make it any less dangerous um, yeah. and the, the danger is of course first and foremost to themselves uh, you yeah. know I mean depression has a very high fatality rate um, at the same time, people who are depressed will sometimes in their desperation, they if you're close to them, they want to bring you down there yeah. because they can't stand seeing you up. And um, they will make a lot of emotional appeals to that. It's not just depressed people, but sometimes people who are just really insecure or and yeah. really unhappy with their own situation, but also people who suffer from depression because I've dealt with that secondhand. Um, I've dealt with it firsthand, secondhand. Secondhand. <laughs> Wait. Um, I've been around it, and and yeah. I and I, I I've seen what it it does as the secondhand smoke of depression is is quite deadly. Uh, not deadly, but but toxic. Ooh, um, um, so, uh, and, and I think that that's been a, a great realization that those emotion. It's really hard not to listen to those emotional appeals to bring yourself down if it's coming from someone you care about um, because they will find a way to make it about the fact that you're uh, you're cold, you're uncaring, you're selfish and of course it's projection but you have to go like actually no I am just me and I don't need to be down where you are I'll help you but I don't but I'm not gonna stop enjoying life or right. stop doing music as uh, because it's pleasurable and I shouldn't be doing that. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it yeah. doesn't help you. <laughs> it doesn't you, the, dep the depressed or sad or uh, insecure person it doesn't all of, they just want more of that. You know, it just yeah. feeds their flame actually. Well, and people get stuck in their stories and then they live by them like they're truth. Mm -hmm. and or perspectives and that's truth and it's like no that's a perspective like um i don't know if you've ever read or listened to byron katie um she has a, a method called the work and her her thing is to sort of take statements and say is that true and then you you know you say the statement you turn it around and all that but just the general idea of someone saying well you know this is happening because all that and you know and I'm upset I'm like well is that really true like because mm -hmm. you'll often find in their statements these projected like things that just totally aren't real like I can't do that because I don't have any money and I'll never know how and I'm like is that true mm -hmm. like you'll just never like keywords like never and I'm like never like right let's think yeah. about that for a minute instead of unconsciously just looping on this story that's keeping you stuck um that's a great yeah, and there's, yeah, there's two sure. things in there uh, that I, I want to mention. One, there's one that really drove me crazy, and I understand also that there is some truth in it. But I think so much of the time it was just a way to have a thing to say. But uh, in I, you know, talking to I'm I tour in Spain pretty regularly. Uh, the, the posies are very beloved there, and my solo stuff is often done really well there, and. 
uh, all the things I've big stars popular there for some reason, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So uh, Sp- Spain is kind of like the perfect storm for me music-wise. And I remember talking to, even as recently as a couple of few years ago, uh, to people there about like, well, I want to do music, but you know, there was like the crisis, you know, yeah. uh, the, the, you know the big recession. And I was like, okay, um, I get it. But that's kind of weird because actually, let's break this down. If mm-hmm. that meant you had trouble getting a job, well, you have more time. You get it, you, you know. I know you have to look for a job, but you do have some time in there to play some music. And if it just meant that you had more economic pressure, or, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like music, you can still fit it into your day. I just don't buy it. And then people are still saying yeah. stuff like this, like in you know 2015. I'm like, dude, the crisis was like seven yeah. years. Ago. I mean, yeah. I know Spain doesn't have the most robust economy, but also I can see like hundreds of musicians playing. So. I don't think that's the thing, really. Yeah. The other thing that really irks me, and of course I understand, and I understand that even doubly that that you know the the pressure might fall even more on women, uh, is parenthood, mm. the thing. Ooh, talk to me about this. Yes. Um, that that people and but the thing is, I don't really hear women very often uh, complaining about it. They just kind of, if they want to do music, they just work with it. So I hear. Way more often, guys saying, "Well, you know, I have kids, you know, and blah blah blah, and I just can't really do music." And I'm like, "Dude, John Bonham had like four kids when Led Zeppelin started. I mean, like, it is just, it is a thing. I understand you want to take care of your kids and stuff, but I mean, also like, maybe doing art is not relevant to taking care of your kids. Maybe you can take care of your kids and do art, or maybe if you're good at it, maybe it would be a great way to take care of your kids. I mean, right. and also bring in." Uh, values and knowledge and stuff that that might be inspiring for them. I just it, it irks me that people because I I can hear that it's an excuse. I, I want to be conscientious yeah. of how demanding parenthood is, uh, sure. But also I have two children. I mean, right. and I, and I've always had a kid. I I had a son when I was seventeen, right? Uh, which I I wasn't full time raising him, so I have you know I got off a little bit easy in a sense. But still, I had responsibilities and I had, you know, to get money to him and stuff like this and make sure he was cared for and make sure my, my obligations were, were seen to. And that, that's been true since I was 17, you know, long before I started the posies. Yeah. So I just, it, anything is solvable, pretty much. I mean, yeah. if, it, look, there are people who out there in the world who do incredible things and you know there are quadriplegics who do incredible these are people with like serious challenges and i think that not having much money can be really tough i totally understand but also i've seen people music is something that could i understand if you're if you're working five jobs that's or whatever that would be obviously you probably wouldn't yeah. have much time for music. Right. But most of the people I'm talking to in this situation are not working, you know, three jobs and working night shifts. Right. So uh, I, I don't want to make light of anyone's predicament that's really a, that really is in crisis. But that's why I also feel that I get kind of angry when people who really aren't in the midst of a crisis kind mm-hmm. of present that present it as if they're in such dire straits that music is absolutely ruled out when really what I think it is is that they would like to have a nice excuse not to try. Well, I also think people probably have a picture of how what that music life looks like and it it might be 
that's why they're stopping themselves. Like, no, if I do it, it must be like this. But like what you're saying, like, if you don't have a job, you have 15 minutes a day to play some music, mm-hmm. you know, like, and once you get the ball rolling, like things connect and things happen. Right. But people get like, no, if I do it, it looks like this. And I, and, and so if it's not this, then I don't do it at all. And it's like, well, what, what if, if you really just want to play music too, like you can play music and you know, if that's what you, if that's really what it's about, stop, take 10 minutes, play some music every day, 365 days a year. You know what I mean? Like you, that'll accumulate to a lot of music, songs written, like conversations, things will happen, but people get weird perspectives. And then, you know, the other thing someone recently said to me that was a good um, thing that I needed to hear was, um, it's because I have a 10 year old and there was a, and I had him later. So I was 41 when I had Orion. Um, And truthfully, Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I struggled with it and I, I should have, could have, would have, but like, I wish I hadn't, I wish I would have said, you want to be a mom. And I did. Um, so put down music for a while and go be a mom. If that's what you want, there's nothing wrong with that. And then pick it up when, when you feel like it, as opposed to kind of constantly struggling with you telling yourself you should be doing things. So there's that. But then someone recently just said to me, um, Hey, you're not, it's, you're not responsible you're not in control of how he, his life in some, in a lot of ways, like, you know, let Orion figure out how he feels about things instead of pre-worrying about things like, oh, what, true, right? Yeah. Um, or controlling. It's, I don't think I'm controlling, but I worry, you know, like, oh, I want him to feel safe or all these things. Well, why don't you let Orion decide or tell you and tell you how he feels? He might be just fine. <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, there's the there's the practices and the daily life routines and all of that that's important for a child. But of course, it's also the relationship. I mean, you could be home all the time. I'm not right. saying you, but you could, a parent could be home all the time and still be completely unsafe because yeah. they're un, because they're unpredictable. You know, people who you know, like the the, the classic, uh, you know, like the parent who is a Jekyll and Hyde, you know, when they, when they don't drink and when they drink and this kind of thing. I mean, that parent might, you know, be very attentive and be around all the time, but they're like very dangerous. So I think the relationship says a lot. And, 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 uh, you know, my daughter has only known me as a touring musician, uh, all her life. She's 14 now and she's pretty blase about it. I mean, (laughs) and, and uh, she, she misses me when I go away. Um, but, she seems pretty well adjusted. I, I, I may not have the perspective, but I think that what's established in her mind is that I'm really interested in who she is. Um, and so when I am there or when I'm calling or whatever, I absolutely am keyed into what she's all about and interested in it. Um, I am, I may be gone a lot, but I am consistent. I mean, I always come back and, and I'm, when I'm home, sometimes I'm home for weeks and I, and I don't really leave the house. I mean, I'm just working in my studio, which is in the house. So there's the opposite of that coin too. I'm around all the time and I make sure to have time with her. I mean, you, you can be, I don't think that, that being away necessarily makes you a bad parent. Um, and I think it's just sometimes something you got to do. I mean, anybody in the military could tell you this. Um, uh, and, and, and my postings are never that long. I mean, I'm never gone for like a year. Uh, I think, I think it's, 
I think there is a quality over quantity in some ways. Uh, and again, they're, they're, you know, that of course meant that of course my wife has had to, you know, has had less, uh, but she didn't really travel that much for work anyway. Mm -hmm. But I mean, she, she had more, a little more on her plate as a parent, of course, when I was gone. Um, and that, uh, well, I mean, we just kind of had to make it that way. I mean, yeah. There was there was really no way I could make a living and not have to go away at certain points. So yeah, it's it's not like like I was just carefree and <laughs> like going to Vegas and spending our money on right. you know slot <laughs> machines. Like wow, I just had this great trip. Uh, <laughs> I only lost eighty thousand um, dollars. Kind of I mean, you know, I, I I I for me like touring and 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 supporting my career was the most responsible thing I could do. And and it and it brought us the most uh, in terms of uh, material things, but at the same time, um, I think that the atmosphere of our home, where you know there is there's me involved in my creative endeavors, um, has been. I think it's brought some something to Aiden, my daughter, that a lot of kids haven't had. A, a lot of kids around her. Uh, you know, their parents work for insurance companies or whatever, and then there's nothing wrong with that. That is the thing that people need to do. We need insurance for things, um, and somebody needs to work there. But that is not my path, and yeah. uh, and I think Aiden, I th- I know that she appreciates the fact. It, sometimes she's been kind of like, oh, can't you just be less weird? I mean, can't you guys be a little <laughs> like she's I'm so, so embarrassed when you guys show up at school and and where we live, you know, Tours is very, it's very conservative, you know, and and she goes to like a Catholic private school that that's very snooty, blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, and guess what? I mean, she's <laughs> like the most popular kid in the yeah. school because yeah. it's, she's realized, wait a second, actually this could star. be that <laughs> it's actually cool. And now like, you know, I'm, I always get like, like where are these like teenagers coming from on my, inst- Oh, they're like Aiden's schoolmates. Like I have like yeah. <laughs> of followers <laughs> From Saint Grégoire School in Tours, um, kind of thing. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I think, I, re- I really think that um, have, being an artist is is a plus. Uh, also, because, duh, I mean, art is about like getting your emotions out on the table. And what was like yeah. worst thing for me about growing up with, about my parents was that they like <laughs> hid all of their okay. emotions. Right. Yeah. This was like, a serious thing for me growing up and uh and and did the most damage to me so i think uh there's very little tension in our house and also i you know we're we're i'm i'm basically in a french family so we're essentially they're latin and (laughs) and latin people who are latin just argue immediately really loud (laughs) There's, there's nothing simmering ever yeah i love that Oh my God. I love that. You know, what's fu- what I think is for my family too. I think it's good for Orion to see, um, a woman, I think do art, but uh, what we lived in Minneapolis for a few years and we were trying to decide whether to move back or not. And one of our, my reasons to move back was I thought, uh, Orion was five or six. And I thought if I never go back to Seattle and we never talk about it, he'll never know and that part of me. Mm. 
mm-hmm. unless he stumbles on my name on the internet. And I'm like, that's messed up. Like that's a big part of who I am and he'll just never know. Yeah. Like, and the, and the, the idea of, I love being a mom, but I don't want to just be a mom. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> you know, because I'm an artist as well. And so, um, I fight probably the internal caregiver guilt because mm-hmm. he's a lot more introverted than I am. So like, he's not, he's not like me. And, uh, he's more like his dad. Like he doesn't like a large crowd. He mm-hmm. doesn't love a concert. I mean, he'll go and he's, Oh, there's mom, you know, but he's also a kid. He's like, I played shows in Minneapolis and he, he if he, he was there, like in a cafe, he'd be like, are you done? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that passes. I can say that, that, yeah. that will pass. Um, I think. Well, he said recently, too, because now he's a little older and people in Tacoma, some people know who I am. And he'll say it's I remember the day he kind of looked at me like, what are you like? Oh, you're something like this. My friend, my friend's dad knows who you are. What's that? Um, And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Or um, then once his little friend's parents found out and were talking to me, he said to me one day, I don't like that they're taking up my time with you and I was like oh interesting he's like you're my mom like I don't care that they know you because of you. <laughs> I was like interesting <laughs> and I was like duly noted okay mm-hmm. fair enough still need to go do it <laughs> <laughs> well and that's it's come around the other end for for me where uh Aiden now like she's played with us on stage and things like that and and uh, she definitely has her own musical track that she wants to follow, but she's doing music, let's say, and she um, she's unabashed. And what's funny is actually in her earlier years, it wasn't even that. I mean, she would kind of like be half interested in me playing a show, but not really. But it was more like, "You're terrible. I'm way better at this than you." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, oh, sure. Wow. What did that feel here's like? The, here's the piano. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I think that's and, the best uh, you can do for your kid is to say, like, yeah, you can go be better than me. Yeah. Sure, have at it. Um, and <laughs> now, of course, she's because we work in the studio and she sees that I've, I've got skills for that for her that I'm very useful. So now she's kind of like she probably still thinks I suck, but, uh, you know, he can he can run Pro Tools. So he's used, <laughs> he has a purpose. Oh my God, that's so. so never teach her like, Pro Tools. Oh, yeah. Wait. Well, no, that. I really want to. I really want <laughs> to to get her a, a recording rig because actually, like, I don't really have that much time to work on her stuff. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I also think that the results will be even better if she masters that. So yeah. uh, she, her computer right now probably isn't robust enough to take uh, on Pro Tools. Uh, so, but, I, but I'm going to start weaning her off of it's very easy if like four feet from your bedroom yeah it's rad studio with all this. <laughs> yeah. she's welcome to use it but uh i think it'd be good for her to to learn on something more bite-sized and 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 understand yeah. and not need me at all um because I... because that's what will happen anyway <laughs> oh. well she'll get a creator own little world yeah. right she'll love that like just crawl into your world and and ruminate in there that'll be amazing for her that's awesome oh my god well ken listen i love talking to you this was so awesome i thank you so okay. much so many great things we talked about that i know i needed to hear so i just really appreciate it 
I thank you so much. And I'm I'm really excited to see you guys and get to sing with you. Yeah, this is I'm psyched. Uh, well, whenever I don't know when this will be heard, but as we're speaking, it's a week from the day that we're speaking, and that's. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to sell it out. I'm, I've got high hopes. Yep. Um, and we're going to rock it. We're going to, we'll post this, Ryan. I think we'll post this, um, uh, before the show, like yeah, Monday. We should try yeah. Cool. It doesn't, it, I don't think Ryan, given your time, it doesn't take that much time, but, um, but respecting your time. Yeah. I would love to get this up as soon as possible and spread it around just to add, add to like, more information and stories so great so uh, everybody who's listening should know that the show is friday february 1st at the alma mater in tacoma mm -hmm. it's 21 and over unfortunately mm -hmm. um but there are tickets left so well maybe not by the time you hear this but better better yeah. jump on it you better run yeah. you better hide no <laughs> better dive bomb that mouse click do it get on it yes well, I will see you really soon, and yep. safe travels. And thank again, thank you. My yeah. pleasure. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.